You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations, where we unpack our bags, we talk about sex, race, gender, sexual identity, food, skin care. It doesn't matter. Nothing's off the table. And we really drill into talking about our differences to somehow find a way to move forward together. But do not get it twisted and think just because it's called Safe Conversations, the conversations are soft, because we really unpack our bags, we make ourselves vulnerable, and we really try to come to a, a place of empathy so we can try to understand each other just a little bit better. This evening, I am extremely excited, which I'm always excited about my guests, but this young man uh, that's, that's joining me this evening, he's an awesome guy. When you first meet him, your first impression may be, oh man, he's so quiet, but he's got a fire inside of him. He's got a fire inside of him for young people. He's got a tenacity to make young people better, push them to the left, help them believe in themselves when nobody else does. I've seen it. He hadn't told me this, but I've seen it. And so I'm excited to welcome Stephen Grant to Safe Conversations. Welcome, bro. Thank you for having me, brother. Wait, thank you for having me. Man, I, I, I'm just, I'm excited about you again. I know when I see and, and, and I know how you feel about the young people across this globe and, and the difference that you're making. So if you can just start out by telling the listening audience about yourself, uh, your background, your location, your family, anything it is you think we need to know about Stephen Grant. All right. Um, once again, thank you for having me. I um, appreciate you inviting me on this platform so we can talk about a few things. Um, my name is Stephen J. Grant Sr. Um, I live right here, beautiful city of Georgetown, South Carolina. I'm the uh, youngest of four, um, born in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, I graduated from Georgetown High School in 2007. Uh, from there, I went to the illustrious South Carolina State University. Um, where I marched with the Marching 101 um, currently, um, also visionary of Premier Community Drumline, also a business owner here of Premier Hair Studio right here in Georgetown, South Carolina as well. Um, so that's just, that's just a little information about me. That's what's up, man. And I appreciate you sharing that just to, just to kind of get us started and letting people know who you are and where you're from. So you, you mentioned, can you talk a little bit about, you said you went to South Carolina State and you, you were in that band. Can you talk a little bit about, for people who don't understand that level, you know what I'm saying, of of, of uh, competing, that level of performing, and how it helped shape you and, and give you the discipline that you need to, to move about and do what you got to do? Yeah, um, being at South Carolina State, it was, um, it was a fun experience, but it takes a lot of discipline being on any type of organization, but when it comes to the HBCU style of marching bands 
and drum lines, you have to have a mindset of determination and dedication to what you're doing. That program and those years of being at South Carolina State really instilled a level of discipline in me. I would consider myself to have been disciplined before, but after I went there and returned back, I can say that it, it, it took me to another level, um, which I am a member of the Bongo Brothers Incorporated. Um, at South Carolina State and being a part of that drumline organization um, taught me so much um, life lessons, not just drumming, not just drumming. It really taught me how to navigate and how to deal with a lot of things in life, how to stay disciplined and stay focused um, because, we, you know, we put a lot of hours in. We put a lot of, it was a lot of traveling. It was a lot of performances and things, you know, switching up. Um, so it really, it really, that time at South Carolina State really prepared me for a lot um, that was ahead of me in life. Yeah, that's what's up. And, you know, as you was talking, I was thinking about the movie Drumline. You've seen that movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for a lot of people who don't know about the experience that you're talking about, would you agree? And it might not have showed everything, but would you agree that it gave them a glimpse of what it's all about? Yeah, I definitely say it gave them a glimpse. There was actually a post uh, not too long ago, and, you know, people are kind of making light of it, um, saying, like, it ain't that serious. But it really is that serious um, from what they were showing, the discipline and um, practicing in that scene where they were in the rain and stuff like that. It's, it's the real deal. It's the real deal. So um, it's, um, it's, it's very it's very serious, and that's, that's really what it took, um, especially when you when you go against other HBCU and powerhouses in the marching band world. You got to people. You got to be prepared. I mean, we had to endure that heat, that rain, that sun, no sun, the long hours to you know really build ourselves up and um, I guess gain a level of endurance um, when it came to those long parades, game days, uh, battle of the bands, competitions, all of that. You know, it definitely definitely prepared. So it, it, I think the movie, you know, gave a glimpse, just a small glimpse. It's not everything, but you know, it gave a glimpse of what we, what we really um, had to do to pre prepare for what you know we do. Yeah, and being an athlete, uh, you know, uh, even playing college football, I realize and recognize that you can't sleep on the band. You can't be thinking that the band is soft because when we was out there. In 103-degree weather, y'all was out there, too. You know what right. I'm saying? Most times when we finished, we were in the shower. I could still hear the boom, 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 boom. Y'all was still out there. You know what I'm saying? So when you talked about the endurance and, and just dealing with the elements, I can I can relate to what you're saying. I, and, and so much respect on that. So you, you left college, you came back to the community, and you started something. You started a movement. And the movement is the premier community drumline. Did I say that correct? Yes, sir. Can you can you tell us about the drumline, uh, how it started, what caused it to happen, and, and just some of the challenges? Yes, sir. I came back from South Carolina State in 2009 um, under some, you know, unfortunate circumstances. That was the year that I lost my son in 2009. So I returned back home just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, where I need to be, God, where, what, what is my purpose? Um, because I just, it just, it took that time in my life took a lot out of me. So when I got back, um, I, um, I actually became the assistant band director at Georgetown High School for five years. Um, and I've actually, I was a part of that program. So I was there for five years. Um, and I was able to, you know, be the assistant band director and the percussion instructor. But upon, 
um, two years prior to leaving, you know, God was giving me something else. Um, I knew I had a purpose there and I, I helped a lot of young people in the time that I was there. But there was just a pull in me to do more because there, there's a lot of politics. There's just a lot of things in the school district. I'm like, okay, I'm not really able to do what I really want to do. Um, so two years prior to me leaving, um, I, I started working and I was like, God, it's like something I wanted to do. And being that I was on the drum line in high school and I was on the drum line at South Carolina State, I was like, you know what? I think I want to why do anything else? Let me just stay in my lane of what I know how to do. And that is to, to, to teach and play drums. Like music has always been a part of my life from, from the time I was six years old. That's when I started playing drums. So I just, I, I got a piece of paper and I wrote it down. I really didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just knew like I was just downloading stuff in me of, you know, how I wanted this thing to, to, to go. So I wrote it down and the next step is like, okay, well, what am I going to get these drums from? So it was like, how am I going to acquire this stuff? So being that I was in the school district, you know, I knew about a lot of ins and outs. So I did, you know, I took my proposal to the school district because I knew that um, there were old instruments that were in surplus and different things like that. So that was my, that's, that's what I, that's how I thought I was going to get my equipment, but it didn't happen that way. Um, there were a lot of challenges, even from the time I left the office and got back home. The devil was already attacking the plan. So I wasn't able to do that. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do it on my own. So I, I budgeted and I would go on eBay and I would find a shell. I would purchase that shell. I'll put it in my room. I found another piece, put it in my room. I found another piece. I put it in my room. I was just like every week I was just getting stuff. And some of these things, I mean, they were, they were raggy. They had holes. They were missing screws. They were just so, but I took it as a project for myself. And I'm glad I did that because it really, it really made me appreciate what I was really building. So my room turned into almost a storage and you know my grandfather it was it's funny because every week there's a box he's like you got another package you know he didn't complain he didn't say Stephen what are you doing he'd allowed me to put stuff in his room sometimes and when I got enough drums um and I started fixing these things up fixing these things up and when I got enough um to 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 really feel like I could start um that's when I I launched um Premier Community Drumline in 2016. Wow. So you said a couple of things, man. You 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 was talking and you were walking like you was marching in the band. Boom, boom, boom. Like you was marching the band just now. And you was just dropping nuggets. You know what I'm saying? The first nugget I heard you drop was I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Man, so many times. How many people do you know that have a vision or a dream or a plan or an idea and they never write it down? They never write it down. And, and you know, I was talking to it's funny that you say that because I was talking last night to someone that, you know, they're a pastor. And we were talking about the power of writing it down and saying it. And uh, and so, man, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, that's how it started. You wrote it down. I was telling uh, the uh, the pastor last night how I said something. This happened. I said something jokingly about two weeks ago, jokingly, just I said something and it happened. 
You know what I'm saying? So there is there is power in writing it down and there is power in uh, in speaking it. And so I'm also happy and I'm proud of the fact for you that when you when you hit that wall, you know what I'm saying? And that obstacle came and it didn't plan. You know, who was it? Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan till you get punched in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? So when you got punched in the mouth, you didn't quit. You said, I'm going to do it on my own. So my question for you, Stephen, is, is it's called Premier Community Drumline. Where did these kids come from? What kind of kids did you want? You know what I'm saying? How did you get the kids involved and excited about what you were what you were doing? Yes. Um, before I answer that, just going back to writing things down. Um, I've been in church all my life and my mom, you know, she kept me in church and, and I've just I've never been the type to just go and not really take something. But one thing I did learn is the scripture about writing the vision and making it plain, you know, so the ones that read it can run with it. So I knew that there was power, you know, I would say it, but I knew it would, nothing would, was not going to happen until I put it on paper. And when I put it on paper, then things started to come to life. It was just like, I could see clearer. And then I knew the next step because you know, I wrote it down and I had faith to act on the very thing um, that I wrote it down. And back to what you were saying about saying things jokingly, um, even when it's jokingly, we have to understand that this world was created by words. So whether we say it jokingly or not, when we put things into the atmosphere, at some point in our life, a lot of things that come into our life or leave our life at some point in time, we probably said it and didn't even know because, you know, life is life and death, you know, is in the power of our tongue. So um, those writing it down and speaking it definitely are very important. But when it comes to the kids, being that I was at Georgetown Howard for five years, I developed a lot of relationships, a lot of connections with parents. Um, so at first, I really didn't know where the kids were going to come from. I just had a vision. And I just I just believe that God was going to put people in place for that vision. So um, the year that I left Georgetown High, a lot of the kids um, came from the high school program and it caused a lot of friction because I I could relate to a lot of the children because they look like me. So they gravitated to me. Um, the parents respected me. So a lot of the kids came from were kids that I prior teached. And being that I was a community drumline, uh, the majority of the kids came from kids that I've teached previous that had already graduated. So that was the foundation of uh, my drumline. Um, and that brought a lot of challenges in the very uh, the first couple of years um, starting. But one thing I learned, and at first it was very frustrating, but I stopped being frustrated because I understood that people follow good leadership. It didn't have anything to do with nothing else, but people want their kids to be connected to something. And not everybody has the anointing to draw kids and to bring people together. And we started off, Premier Community Drumline started off with 11 and in the existence Right before COVID, we were over 120 kids. Um, so I knew what I was doing and I knew what God gave me um, was what he wanted me to do. And they, and with that growth, it turned into kids all over this county. I had 
kids in every from every single school in Georgetown County, and I had kids traveling from Horry County. And before COVID, there were kids coming from Williamsburg County. So I had three counties of kids. So, and I'm glad that God made it that way because the challenges that I faced, people made it seem like it was about Georgetown. It was about me not no longer being with the school system. And it, and it wasn't. And when God started bringing people from different areas, then they were like, okay, it made sense. Wow. So prior to COVID, you had up to 120 kids? Yes, sir. That's that's crazy, man. So your drum line wasn't a drum line anymore. It it sounds like it turned into a, you had to expand and it turned into a full-fledged marching band. It was close to it. Um, 2018, I expanded from the drum line and I added a color guard, which considered the flags. I added a dance line for um, high school um, girls. And I had premier princesses, which were my elementary all the way down to, at that particular time, the youngest one was like three years old, Mm -hmm. um, dancers for girls. So it was expanding. It it had to expand because I couldn't just stay just about drums because there were were more kids um, to reach Mm -hmm. um, in the community. So I was just, I was just going along with what God gave me. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, I've seen you, you know, with the band and how you interact. And I swear, man, you out there like a drill sergeant and everybody, boom, 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 you know, in step. And, and, you know, you got a real humble spirit, but I got to ask, you kind of alluded to it. There had to be some drama, you know what I'm saying? With, with the kids from the band at this, did they, because they weren't able to do both. Right. So a lot of kids left the schools, man, and joined your band. And you said it. You said, hey, you know, it was really because I could relate to them. You know what I'm saying? I could. Can you speak more about that? Just so we I know the deal, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the listening audience may not know, you know what I'm saying? Because we just kind of glaze around the surface. What Mm -hmm. drew these kids to Stephen Grant? From three counties out, what drew them to you? At first, I I didn't know, but the church I play for, the pastor was just talking about this. There's a certain anointing that you have to have to draw people together. Everybody's not drawn to just anybody, especially children. If you get children to be drawn to you, then you have something. And there's something in what the parents see that they want their child to have. And I believe I got to gotten to that place. Um, there was certainly a lot of drama. And when God started to expand and bring kids from other areas, it wasn't just about me not being at the high school anymore. But I allowed the parents, you know, because I, I don't, you know, I don't, I didn't have to go out there and say, hey, you need to join or you need to come. No, these parents say, hey, this is the man I want you to be under. And we have to be so careful of who's over our children and because of everything that's going on in this world. So that's just that's just something that God gave me and started drawing kids just from all all over the place. Um, But it was it was a lot of drama. It was a lot of drama for a few years um, and a lot of things that, you know, tried to be withheld from us because people thought it was it was I was mad. So I didn't know it didn't have anything. They didn't have it had nothing to do about anybody. But 
a lot of times when people don't understand vision, people don't understand purpose, they make it about themselves and try to mm-hmm. try to make it seem like, oh, you're the one in the wrong. So, um, but I got through it. I didn't let mm-hmm. that stop me. Was it discouraging? Yes. Was it hurtful? Yes. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of the drama came from people that looked just like me. And I didn't understand it. When we live in a city of poverty, when we live in a city of crime, when we live in a city where so much was just, and it's even worse now with our youth. Um, you know, I didn't understand. You would think that something positive, you wouldn't get backlash from something positive. But I got it. But I endured it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, man, we go back and we're going to get into it a little bit later. Um, but, you know, I respect the fact I can remember and, and everything you just said is true. You know what I'm saying? And I can feel it. You know, I was the police chief in the same town that you did your thing when you started your community. And I remember you calling me one day and say, hey, chief, we, we, we got a little situation. I said, well, what's up? You said, hey, we need some place to practice. You remember that? I remember. I said, man, come on. Come to the police department, you know what I'm saying? And y'all came and y'all practiced at the police department. Do you know why? Do you know why I didn't blink when you called me? Because just what you said, I watched these kids flock to you, you know what I'm saying? And and not because you easy and you, you, you know, you light on them, but I've seen you, you know, tell these kids, hey, get right. Let's go tighten up, do this. And they respected that and they wanted it. And so... What you was doing was so positive. Well, no way I could say no. You know what I'm saying? I was I was happy that you we had the relationship where you could pick up the phone and say, "Hey, chief, I need a solid. We need some place to practice." Let's and we made it happen. So much respect to you and 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 what you did. Uh, so my next question, Stephen, is: Did the community initially uh, see your vision for the young people? Unfortunately, no, they didn't. That was another challenge of mine, because as I stated, you know, in my mind, I said, hey, this is something positive and they're going to support this. And in a lot of cases, I was wrong because you had people on the political side that were involved with the school district that was attacking me that was attacking the children and discouraging them from being a part of my program. And then you had people in the community that really didn't know the inception. They didn't know the purpose. So they just all of a sudden became jealous. Who do he think he is? So I had to deal with that on both sides. A lot of times I felt a lot of things were racially driven. A lot of times I felt, you know, for my own race and culture, I felt like it was colorism, you know, like, you know, you you look like me, but I don't want you to do anything good. So I'm not going to help you. Um, So at first it didn't. But just the same way how I took it upon myself to buy my own drums, I didn't get any state funding. I didn't get any loans. I didn't get any. No, I rolled my sleeves up and I was in my backyard fixing my own drums, painting my own drums, doing all this kind of stuff. So the same way it was like, you know, I. but trust me, I've asked for support from the community and neighboring communities. And most of it, it was just a lot of talk, you know, people in, in positions of power that I felt like had the resources or had the ability to help, you know, but when you say no and you don't do it, I'm going to go get it. So we started having our bake sales. We started Mm -hmm. having different fundraisers. We had to do what we had to do 
to make this thing work. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that because God gave me, you know, he gave me a group of parents that they just, they were going to go hard for these mm. kids because yeah. they, they just, they just knew. And it was like, you know, we don't have, we just didn't have the resources, but you know, I was faithful. I didn't let that stop me, man. We got out there and we just did what we had to do. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I'm sitting here, man, I'm watching the video. I'm Hey, I want to go outside and get some drums right now. I mean, you got me kind of lit, you know what I'm saying? Like I want to, I want to get, I want to do something. So today, and you alluded to it, man. You said there's so much going on with our young people and it's worse. Uh, violence, drugs, mental. It, it's a lot going on with our young people. And so many adults, I listen to adults, man. And, and they say, they say kids today are lost. They say the kids lost. And personally, I believe it boils down to communication. I believe our younger generation struggle uh, with traditional communication. You see what I'm saying? And I believe the older generation struggle with technology. But if we gonna turn this thing around, we we gotta find a way to make it work. You see what I'm saying? Easy said and done. But how do you, in your opinion, how do you bring the older folks and the younger people together? You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you make them a captive audience willing to listen to both sides and each other. You made a good point about traditionalism and technology, but there's a balance in between there. And I feel on the traditional side, a lot of older people don't want to find the balance because they're stuck in their ways. This is how we've done it. You know, this generation is a different breed. They are so much different. I don't know if it's the food they eating or what, but they're different. But what I've learned is they can be reached. I've saw, I've seen it when I was at Georgetown High School. I was like, I don't, I, I, I just don't. They did not understand, and people can check my record. They can. There's, there's proof that the year I came, the year before I came, and the years I was there, the growth in musically and the numbers and just what the kids were doing because it was a very traditional system. But here I come from South Carolina State and I was bringing a more modern contemporary, but I had to know how to bridge the gap. So yeah, I was able to do things that they could relate to, but then I was able to Oh, we're going to play this before I let go for these old people because they yeah. like me. They're going to love to hear this. Yeah, yeah. And guess what they're going to do? Oh, y'all. Oh, no. So now that we got the support of those and we just the older generation just needs to be able to listen. There were certain things, certain days. I mean, from my elementary school babies, just to hear certain things they would say, I would take from it like, hey, OK, that makes sense. You know, you just have to know how to listen and you have to know how to to approach them and how to to guide and know how to really keep that that communication open. And right now it's so critical with the youth. Um, and I feel like where the community and community um, people, politicians, whoever you want to, they're failing because they want the credit for making change. And you can't use your title and what credit you're going to get to make change. But I realize it's people like me. It's people that they see walk around that have been through things that have made a change in their life that they will listen to. 
So instead of give us support because we can reach them, you know, I think that's where the disconnect is coming. If, we, mm-hmm. if there, there's a way where they can support the people that can reach them, that they will listen to, because the truth of the matter is, you know, this generation now, you know, they don't want to respect law enforcement. They don't want to respect their teachers. They don't want to respect anybody political because it's like you can't relate to me, but they can come in my barbershop or they can see me. And I still get respect from I've, I've gotten respect from people that wasn't even a part of Premier. That's the mm-hmm. impact that we were making on other children because we were doing something positive. Yeah. We just got to be able to listen to them and yeah. know what they're dealing with and being able to, you know, vice versa, you know, give them an encouraging word as well. But yeah. you got to find a balance. You got to find a balance, man. Two things, uh, you know, going back to my law enforcement career and being a police chief. I remember after uh, George Floyd was murdered, you know, the cry across the country was for police reform. You know what I'm saying? Y'all need to reform. Y'all need to change this. And the policies change it. You know what I'm saying? But if hearts don't change and minds don't change, you can change policy. You can do, you know what I'm saying? And some, some, somebody asked me one day, they said, well, well, chief, you know, you change this policy, you tweak this one. But what do you think law enforcement needs to do more than anything else? And, and it's what you said. Listen, you know what I'm saying? Industry wide, we need to do a better job of listening because, you know, from the time you get that 911 call. Right. OK. Your mind shift. You're going, you're going, you're going, you're going. Wherever you're going, and, I, and I'm talking from experience, wherever you're going, you get there, you feel like you got to, whatever the situation is, you got to fix it. Sometimes you don't even know the full story, but we got to fix And so just like you said in reaching young people, I learned that we had to do a better job of listening, not assuming what people needed, not telling them what they needed, but asking them what they needed. And the other thing is that, you know, back in the day, this, you know, people would say, hey, just meet me halfway. We can't expect these kids to meet us halfway. We got to go and get them. We have to go and get them. So we got to get out of that mold because it's, it's a different time. Like you said, back in the day, you could tell a kid when I was a kid, parents would say, hey, go paint that wall. Right. Steve and I would find I wouldn't ask no questions. I go find the paint. And if they say green, I'll pay till I'm done. Tell these kids that today and see what happens. Do I have to paint it by myself? What color green you want? Can I do have 30 days to do it? You know what I'm saying? It's just different. And what happens is we get frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the force because that's not what they used to. That's not how they came up. But I, I really think, man, and you know, when people say our kids are lost, to me, I get a little discouraged and agitated because kids do what they've always done. If they don't have structure, they're going to push the envelope. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm thankful for programs like Head Start, YMCA, Boys and Girls Club. But I got a strong belief that federal government, state, local government need to pour money into modern parenting programs. Because if you look below the surface, that's the problem. That's where the issue is. These kids doing what they're allowed to do. They're acting out, but we have kids having kids and they don't have the skills that our parents had. You see what I'm saying? And so money needs to be dumped into these communities to start modern parenting programs. And it may take some time, but I believe 
I believe that'll make a difference. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And like you said, and just kind of thinking off the top of my head, I would have to say that if not 90% of my program, a little, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm borderline between 90, 95% of those children that were in my program came from single mother homes. So that structure is needed. The discipline is needed. I've had, I've had, and I've had some parents, they bring them and they thought it was too rough. But the world we live in today, if you don't have discipline and structure, I just don't know how you're going to make it. Yeah. You know, us yeah. just us doing what we were doing, you know, with drums and musically and preparing for parades, man, that's mm-hmm. nothing for what they're going to face mm-hmm. in this real world. So Thanks. it's not it's, it's beyond drums. It's beyond dancing. Mm-hmm. It's beyond twirling the flag. It's, it was life lessons and stealing purpose in these kids that they have a purpose in this world. So we've talked about the drum line for a minute. Let's sum this part of the conversation up by you telling me what you believe was the highlight of the drum line. You know what I'm saying? What was what was that one thing, you know, that you will always go back to and say, you know what? I will never, ever forget this. I have t- I have two moments. The first moment was when we went to the South, the state Christmas parade for South Carolina, which is televised every year. And we went there, you know, there's certain instructions and certain, you know, different levels you had to be on. But we we weren't a featured group and the featured groups were those who stopped in front of the state house and performed on TV. So we're preparing for this parade and all of a sudden, um, I don't know, but the word got down the street that there's this group here. So I see this guy come running down and he came and asked us name, he had the headset on, uh, news shirt and on. I was like, okay, you know, he asked questions. I said, yeah, we're, you know, premier from Georgetown. So we we begin the parade. We're going down the route. And he comes back as we're going. He finds me. He said, you need to stop in front of the state house. I said, we didn't pay for that. He said, you need to stop in front of the state house and perform. So we did, and I, and we didn't prepare for it because it was just like, we had things prepared. So I had to think immediately, okay, when we stop, we have to do this, 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 and this, and keep on moving. So we got there and these kids performed like I've never seen them before because they knew they were on TV. It was just like, by the time the end of the parade, I mean, my notifications were going off because people back home saw them and, and everything. And the second thing I would never forget, we participated in a international drumline competition that was televised and streamed in like 30 plus countries there was a drumline from Indonesia in our category and that platform just, it would just amaze me. And it wasn't even about, you know, and we were on WPDE one time Mm -hmm. and why I would never forget those things because I've had, I've had teachers, staff members, law enforcement, people in this community to look me in my face, to look my children in the face and say, nobody will never see you outside of Georgetown. Nobody will never know who Premier is. You know, you, you, you're you not going anywhere playing for Mr. Grant. 
but we were all over the country, yeah. all over the country. And even in that international competition, we placed third in our wow. category wow. out of people from everywhere, you know? Yeah. And that just, you know, I'm humble, but at the same time, when we accomplish something and I see what I've done, you know, we're going to, I'm going to, and a lot of times we like to take humble with not being proud of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm proud of me and I'm proud of what I built and, and what I've done with these kids. And, and it just, it, to see just the excitement and the happiness yeah. on their faces to know that I was on TV. Like a lot of yeah. these kids have never been outside of Georgetown, mm-hmm. you know? So for me taking them to Columbia, some, it was like they were going across the world, you know, yeah. but it allowed that like they felt good about it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so proud of those students that started with me and been a part of the program for us to reach those, those levels. Yeah. Never forget those moments. That's awesome, man. Do you ever have, well, I ask you about, I'm trying to move on to the next topic, but I'm I'm struggling. I'm, I, you know what I'm saying? So just work with me. Think of one kid. Think of one kid. You don't have to call him by the name. But think of one kid that you knew for a fact was on the line. You know what I'm saying? Could have went left, could have went right. But because they were in that band, in your band, it possibly saved their life. Can you can you think of one kid like that? Maybe glaze over the situation. No names. I definitely I definitely can. I definitely can. And I still see him to this day. He was a part of the program when I was at the um, the high school. And I, I remember um, when I started premiere, he was like, Steven, you know, wherever you go, I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I never did understand it, but it's like I said, it's beyond drums. There's there's kids that I've had to feed. There's kids I've had to get clothing for. Yeah, things that people don't even see. But Premier saved him from suicide. Gosh, man! And I remember going to the hospital because he wanted to take himself out. Wow! And when I walked in, he cried. And I believe, I really believe that God allowed this program Mm -hmm. and what I was teaching and the fact that he had an outlet to just play drums to keep him and he's he's still he's still here today. That's awesome, man. I thank you for that. So you mentioned earlier quickly and we kept talking, but you mentioned that you're also a barber, right? And and I know you're a barber because for several years you've been tightening me up. You know what I'm saying? Especially when I was the chief man. I mean you was right down the street. You used to really take care of me and I appreciate that. But other than being a, a great barber, an awesome person, the 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 founder of the Premier Community Drumline, being a barber, how do you how do you fall into the mix, and what role do you play in the community in that capacity? Um, man, to be honest, and I probably can speak for a lot of barbers and and people that are in this you know cos- field of cosmetology, whether you do nails, hairstyles, man, we wear so many hats behind the chair. It's beyond being a barber. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm the counselor. Sometimes I'm I'm somebody's best friend, or just people that something that you know uh, someone people can confide in. And um, so it's it's a pivotal role. It's beyond just cutting hair. I, I noticed, and even with just on the top of cutting hair, you know, just cutting someone's hair can turn somebody's whole day around mm-hmm. because it allows them to feel better about themselves, allows them to feel better about things they may be facing. Um, and a lot of times it allows them to open up. And honestly, um, when I'm behind my chair, it's always a moment 
for God to use me to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted my business and I believe I've established that here in this city to be a pillar in this community, not just a place of service, mm-hmm. haircut service, but really service to the community. We've um, this coming at the end of this month, you know, it'll be my second year having in my own business. But mm-hmm. even in the first year, you know, we did back to school giveaways. We've done, you know, so many di- different things I've done last this past couple this past year. You know, I blessed over 50 kids, you know, with back to school haircuts mm-hmm. and different things like that. I believe that's 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 the role that to take as a business owner is not just to what I can always get from them paying me for a service, but how I can bless bless someone as well when they walk through these doors. And a lot of people walk through these doors, you know, they don't even feel like they're in Georgetown anymore. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. You know, I love that because it's just a it's just a, a way to make a difference in somebody's day. And you know, I have listeners in different countries, Argentina, Mexico, Canada, all over the world and all over this country. And I want y'all to know what Steven is saying is true. You know, this is this. He ain't trying to pump fake nobody or pump himself up. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And that's why I wanted him to come on the show and, and, and let us just chop it up and have a safe conversation. I've talked to this gentleman. Oh, man, uh, he's just a humble, fiery dude. And, and, uh, and I'm proud of you, man, for everything you've done. What's the name of your barbershop? Premier Hair Studio. Okay. And so I asked you that because I want you to say it out loud. Of course, I knew that. I want you to say it out loud because I want you to tell the listening audience why you named your barbershop after the drumline. What, what, what's, what's the connection? What, tell us about that. The word premiere, honestly, at the same time I was writing this thing out, I'm like, oh, what am I going to call this thing? What, what am I going to call it? And I was just, you know, I'm, I'm a, Everything I do, I really try to do in excellence. So I'm just like, okay, I got to have something that has a standard of excellence, something that's just, that's innovative, that's just, I'm just going through all these different words. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I heard premiere. And I was like, hmm. But then when I wrote it down, it still, it's, it was not, it didn't settle with me. So then I just, just, God just downloaded in me change the I to a one. I was like, hmm, that's different. <laughs> so I did it. I did it. And that one represents, and I tell, you know, the youth, and it applies to my business. I've, I'm always striving to be number one in everything I do. <laughs> number one in excellence. Number one in service. Number one in, in, in your education. Number, like always being just a, just a standard Mm-hmm. of being the top of what you can do and really number one of knowing your purpose mm-hmm. like your god-given purpose on this on this earth so when when I knew I was going to do have my my shop I was just like it's a given is no I don't even got to find a name for right. it because it just fits so well and yeah. you know I just took that model of excellence and that model of everything that premier stands for and I just I just flipped it and yeah. and incorporated all of that in my business. And, you know, a lot of people come come in here, no matter where you go in my shop, there's an encouraging word mm-hmm. from the door to the bathroom. 
Like I can look behind me and stuff that says, keep going. I'm grateful. I'm blessed. Your mindset, just, just a whole lot of positive things yeah. because you come here, man, you come here, you, 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 you going to leave a different person, whether you get a haircut or not, Come on, you now. know, come so on, that's now. definitely, it's just, it's just a standard of excellence that I really try to, to, to uphold in my life yeah. and carry out through my business as well. So yeah, that just, it, it's just like, it follows me everywhere yeah. I go, like everything. Yeah. I, I don't know what's, what's ahead, but you know, even some other business businesses that I have, um, expressions by Premier, like everything mm-hmm. has that attached yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. And I love your brand. I love your brand, man. So that's what's up. Continue to let God use you. You know what I'm saying? Continue to let him use you. So last question. And I'm, and I'm known to throw a curveball. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? So if you had the opportunity to sit down with some of the greatest leaders from across the world, and you had an opportunity to cut their hair, female, male, white, black, it don't matter what they look like, greatest leaders from across the globe, and you had them sitting in that chair for that 20 minutes or 30 minutes, what would you say to them? I believe that we have not because we ask not. And if they're great leaders, then a lot of times, you know, I like to, I like to take a lot of information and insight from people that are in positions of greatness. So half of the conversation, I would just allow them to pour into me so I could get, because a lot of times being a leader, a true leader, we go empty because we pour out to so many other people. So a lot of it would just be them giving me an encouraging word and, 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 and building me up. But on the, on the, on the other part of the conversation, it would be, you know, establishing a relationship with that person Hmm. so they could help me help the next generation make a difference in this world. Hmm. Um, what, by whatever means that they're able to do so. But my whole purpose in life is to make a difference. I'm not about a bunch of talk. Hmm. I don't want to talk to you. You can talk all day. But my thing is execution. If you're not ready to execute and get things done, mm-hmm. we ain't got nothing to talk about. Don't care mm-hmm. what your title is. Don't care what you feel like you're doing, but it's about execution for me. That's what's up. That's real. Well, Stephen, man, we have slapped it up, flipped it, and rubbed it down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I really appreciate you chopping it up. This honestly... We've been doing this for years. You know what I'm saying? You just finally just decided to come on the podcast and we doing it out loud. We've been doing this. So I appreciate you. If somebody wanted to find out more about uh, the Premier Community Drumline or your, you know, your shop um, or even just Stephen Grant, how can they reach out to you? How can they contact to contact you? How can they learn more? Okay. Um, my Facebook uh, name is Stephen J. Grant Sr. on Facebook. Also, the business page is under Premier Hair Studio, P-R-E-M-1-E-R, Hair Studio. Um, Premier Drumline does have a, a Instagram and a, a Facebook page, and it's spelled the same, P-R-E-M-1-E-R, Premier Community Drumline on Facebook. Um, that's, you know, those are the best ways uh, to reach me. And, you know, right now, you know, I'm Second year in starting this business, just trying to get things level out. But, you know, I'm definitely in a lot of prayer and a lot of planning um, to bring uh, Premier Community Drumline back active um, because this community needs it. Um, our youth needs it. Um, the world needs it. So the world needs it. Um, yeah. be on be on the lookout. You know, we we coming back and it's going to be bigger and better than ever. 
You sound like Deion Sanders up there at uh, Co- University of Colorado. He said, we coming. Right. We coming. coming. Yeah. We coming. So, Stephen, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Everybody, you've listened to another episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, where we chop it up. Nothing is off the table. Just because it's safe doesn't mean it's soft. You heard it here tonight. So, until the next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.